It's Game of Runs here on 101.5 UMFM. My name is Neil Noonan. Alongside me, my main man, Sue Ridge Kanda. How you doing, homie? Yo! Well, that's a big yo. That's an MLK day, yo. That's an MLK day, yo. Basketball has been on all day. If you are tuned into us, we appreciate you. We hope you're watching some hoop, enjoying your day, enjoying your Monday. It's a great way to ease into the week with some basketball. You know what? We know it's kind of... I, I love MLK Day. Um, it, it's so nice to have this many games. But what caught my attention was there's 14 games today, not 15. The Clippers and the Mavs are the only teams not playing today. Is that a good thing for tomorrow, maybe? Or is that a, a disappointing thing that we could have one day where there's 15 games, 30 teams, all in action? That would be dope, but... This is the next level of load management. Neil. No, I'm just <laughs> <Okay>. like, <laughs> think about it. This is 40 chess by Adam Silver and the schedule makers. Oh, you were limping for the entire finals, Kawhi Leonard. We're gonna give you. We're gonna give you a day off, and make all the other 14 teams work. <laughs> is it? Do they actually play tomorrow? Yeah, they do. That's yeah. lit. Okay, well, only, game on, only game on the schedule tomorrow is uh, Mavs Clippers. Which I mean. Sign me up. Like, Yo, honestly, sounds like the, a great game. I'm not going to lie. That's actually very well done. <laughs> 14 games. It would be nice, like for completionist's sake, to have every team performing in one night. Yeah, and I think that's that side of the brain talking to me being like, ah, that would be really cool <laughs> yeah, if everyone was playing today. But, but giving them a day uh, off and then allowing them as the alone game, like that's there's going to be a lot of eyes on that game. Right. So um, who do you have in that game? Oh, geez. I mean, I, I don't think uh, Paul George is playing, but uh, I think the Mavs, because they're they're clicking. And, uh, the I mean, the Clippers, I think I love what Kawhi said over the weekend, where he's just, he basically pulled, like, the Aaron Rodgers relax thing to everybody, being like, oh, my goodness, the Clippers. I think they lost three in a row at that time, and people were worrying about it, and Montrezl Harrell kind of came out saying, like, I, we just don't, it doesn't feel the same. Uh, as it did last year, but uh, Kevin Arnovitz, I heard on um, the True Hoop, or I shouldn't say True Hoop, long time ago with uh, Arnovitz there, but um, the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst today, he was saying that, isn't it funny what expectations do to people, right? Where yeah. the expectations for the Clippers last year weren't very high, and they were a super fun team, right? He actually kind of compared them to the uh, to the Nets this year, right? And comparing to last year. Where you come into the season, expectations aren't really high, so you kind of outperform them, and you turn into a team that's super fun to watch and root for, like the Clippers and Nets last year. And then you get this influx of like top-tier talent, and the expectations change, so... When you talk about those kind of things, like Harold was... He was kind of saying, like, in a roundabout way, it almost feels better to be, like, an over-exceeding 45-win team rather than, like, an under-exceeding, I don't even know if that's a proper phrase. Underachieving? Like, it's underachieving, like, 58-win team, you know? Because it's just a different feeling where you're like, ah, we're... We're playing with house money. We're de facto contenders because we have two of the best, like, 3 and D wings on the planet on our team. Yeah. That has added to our team of last year who uh, got into the, the first round of the playoffs. So it is funny what expectations do not only to players but to people in general. Um, 
but yeah, it's there's just a different vibe with the Clippers, and it's and it's funny too thinking about the difference between them and the Lakers, who we might actually watch in our our podcast episode because they tip uh, right at six thirty at the end of the show against the Celtics. It would be fun, but it is funny the contrast between those two teams, and then even the, on top of that, the contrast between Kawhi and LeBron, where LeBron's like, "Hey, if I'm healthy, I'm playing." Kawhi's like. <sighs> I know what these 82 games are, and I know what that uh, last 16 means. So, Straight up. And uh, the, the contrast in the Lakers is the bigger, the bigger thing for me. Um, I think there's a lot of uncertainty around the Los Angeles Clippers because of the health thing, because Kawhi kind of brokered this situation where they're both free agents in a year and a half. It's just crazy because yeah. it looks. Like, it just sounded like they won the lottery, and they did. Yeah, this oh, summer. And then but you only the have that money. On. You only have that money for eighteen months. Yeah, and anything left over is going to someone else. And their future has been mortgaged to OKC. Yes. Um, so on top of that, there's on the other end, Kevin Arnovitz. You mentioned him earlier um, in that same podcast. Uh, when you walk into the Lakers locker room, it's the happiest place in the world. That's what he said. And that it hasn't been like that, quote, hasn't been like that in years. Oh, yeah. I mean, when's the last time a Lakers team was happy? 2010, 11? Like, Powell Gasol? Yeah. And Pre, even then, pre-Achilles tear, uh, post-championship. Right. Lakers. Yeah. And uh, like Lamar Pro- Odom still healthy. Right. Lakers. Yeah. yeah, Bynum wasn't bowling and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Bynum? Not really. <laughs> no. David Wendt. I've, yeah. I've seen maybe six full Andrew Bynum games in my life. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to front, like... I mean, okay, I've watched the Lakers in the playoffs, so I've probably seen more than that. Yeah, But, yeah. like, um, I'm not going to front, like, I distinctly remember how truly good Andrew Bynum was and could have been. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because, truly good, eh? <laughs> yeah, because... Truly big. Yeah, that's what, that's what yeah. he was, yeah. He wasn't necessarily good. Um, could he have been? Yes, absolutely. Sure, yeah. I did not think we were going to be talking about Bynum tonight, but here we are. Look at us. Yeah, look at us. We're a basketball podcast. Here we are. Lakers, though. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you can't be too upset with the Lakers. If you're the Lakers right now, um, it's probably my favorite team to watch this year. Kuzma balling out, too, with AD with his uh, bruised butt. Yeah. I feel like, don't you feel like three quarters of the league will do better with an increased role though oh of course absolutely i mean that's i mean i always hate to bring fantasy onto the show because it's the bane of my existence but that's a huge part of fantasy is like you're constantly looking for these players that are getting these extended opportunities right and a lot of it is due to injury or trades or whatever it may be right but yeah i mean there's 450 players in this league i mean you could probably add what 30 more with uh with the two-way contracts now 480 yeah, any any player, most players that are worth their snuff are going to play much better with an increased opportunity, right? I mean, basketball is a rhythm game as much as anything. Absolutely. It's also a game of runs. Hey. Yes. Yeah, there so, it is. That's the plug. Um, but th- this is the roundabout way of mentioning that Anthony Davis will be active tonight for the Celtics game. So what carries over for Kuzma? Um, does that change anything in the chemistry? I don't know. I would think it would, if anything, increase the chemistry there, getting Anthony Davis back. It's kind of a big deal. Um, the, on the Celtics' end, uh, Marcus Smart, I believe, just took 22 shots yeah. last game, which was very uncharacteristic given, the, of. given their injuries and given the situation that's career going on. Career high and career high shot. Like I think he's 
one of the few players in like NBA history to put up 23 point attempts and I never thought uh, Marcus Smart would be one of those guys but but there here NBA we are it's crazy yeah absolutely um so how much of that d- does it change for Kuzma and the Lakers not a lot I still think they're the number two number one team going into the playoffs this year um I think the thing that they have I mean, not, not only like what Arnovitz was saying is that like they're super happy, just a, a professional team, kind of like one through 15. You, you put the coaching staff on there, right? Now the vice president of basketball operations, Rob Palenka. Um, they, they just seem like they, they all know their role, which I think is huge on a team, right? Like you have your two studs, right? And I think any team with LeBron besides maybe that 2010 Heat team naturally falls in line because you have one of the best players of all time. Um, the best player of all time in my world. And then you got Anthony Davis, who is also a generational star, right? And then everybody just kind of falls underneath. So I think that natural pecking order is really good. And then you got these feisty guys over in Clipperland where you got Harold, Lou Will, and Pat Bev who have been accustomed the past couple of years of doing their thing. You know, and now you got these two guys. And Kawhi, I mean, as great a player he is, he's also a ball hog. You know, like he his his best version of himself is with the ball for 16 to 20 seconds of possession. Yep. Like, he's doing work, right? And it's a little more methodical and a little less annoying than, say, James Harden, but he's more or less doing very similar things. And, yeah, sometimes he's going to get that assist because he's passing the ball and he is a good playmaker. But it is interesting the the contrast between, between the two L.A. teams um, and just not only, like, how they're being covered, uh, the, the general, I guess, mood of either teams as well. And just how they're going about their season. Like, the Lakers are kind of going all out. You know, LeBron is, hasn't played defense in a long time, and he's playing defense. Anthony Davis having a career season, which is also weird because he's been incredible in New Orleans for the past couple of seasons when he was playing. Interesting. It's, it's just it's really cool to talk about those two teams. Meanwhile, Milwaukee is quietly being better than both of them over I, in the East. I have two questions. One, AD, LeBron, or Giannis? Who's your MVP? Oh, I think I think Giannis won already. Okay, it's it's already sealed up. Yeah. Okay, next question: Whose LA roster would you rather have? Yeah, fully healthy. Great question. Fully healthy. I I actually think on the contrary in this situation where I think I'm going to ride with LA. It's I'm weird. That's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> the Clippers. Yeah. No, I'm actually I, I would ride with the Lakers, um, just because I do believe the secret of basketball is a thing. You yep. know, um, that uh, the game of basketball is, is more than basketball, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the best version of LeBron really brings that out in teams, right? Re- like, remember, like, those Mo Williams, Jamario Moon um, calves back in the day where they were, yeah. they were taking pictures and bowling before uh, before the game and stuff like that. And they ended up going to the finals against the Spurs, getting their butt kicked, whatever. But, like, these things and people that have been a part of it's not just sports teams but like even in like uh any sort of work situation or volunteer whatever like any sort of team that you're working with the vibe matters so much as far as the productivity and what you put out there in the world and i just i know the clippers are going to be there in the end because the talent is there especially if they are healthy but the reason Harold came out and said what he said is because the vibe is significantly different. And then this Lakers team, the vibe is also significantly different, but in a positive way because LeBron is reinvigorated. 
They did a really good job, obviously, getting AD, but then bringing in other guys like Dwight Howard and Danny Green, who's been incredible for them. Uh, I thought Danny Green had a career season last year. <laughs> I think he's actually playing better in L.A. than he did in Toronto last year, yeah. which is nuts, too. So, yeah, give me the Lakers. I just I believe in that secret too much. And, uh, I mean, it might be a recency bias, too, because they're like, I think they have four games on the second seed in the West, which is kind of nuts. But uh, yeah, I I love the vibe of this Lakers team, and I think that really matters. It's so it's so messed up. It, even though, like, if I asked you the same question with the Warriors of of recent years, you would have chose the Warriors. But it's still so weird to pick the like um, that. A lot of people would pick the Clippers roster. Like, it's still taboo to pick against LeBron in specific ways, and that's that's one of them for me. We're like. If I'm having these two teams face off in a one of one, oh man, I think I got to take the Lakers, but I think the Clippers are a better team. Hey, they've they're two and zero against the Lake Show right now. Exactly. So that's that's where it is. Like I don't know if I could trust myself on picking against LeBron, and maybe that's been grandfathered into me over the past seventeen years. Oh, and you know what? He's he's earned that respect, right? I yeah. Mean, eight finals in a row. Come on. Yeah, like, that's fair. It's it's so hard to bet. Like you have to feel pretty strongly to to pick against him. For the right? Lakers, um all this Kuzma like trade talk right. bubbling up. And hey, hey, we finally got a trade by the way. We'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> Will we? Okay. No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> you know we won't. Uh we're running out of time, folks. But um with the Lakers, would you if you're the Lakers, would you trade Kuzma for Derrick Rose? Oh, interesting. Whoa. Do you have any idea if their salaries match? Or if it's close? It'd probably be a little filler. I think Derek makes a little more. Yeah. Wow. I think Derek makes six. I've never heard that floated out there, but I really like that because, I mean, LeBron loves playmakers, as we all know. It was reported one hour ago by Chris Haynes. Oh, and hey, if, like, shout out to Woj and Shams and stuff like that. Haynes is plugged in. Haynes is put in work. Haynes is plugged in. I think he's gained a lot of respect from not only front offices, but players specifically. Yeah. Um, it, it, didn't Haynes get the KD scoop to uh, to Brooklyn? He got the KD scoop, and he got the Gordon Hayward scoop before Gordon Hayward. Right, yeah. I think that was one of his first big ones, right? Um, hey, I really like that because, I mean, Derrick Rose is, I knew both of ours, uh, one of our favorite players ever. And yep. uh, dude is still balling out in a dying... I don't want to say dying city. God bless Detroit. But a dying team in the Pistons. And he is absolutely a very serviceable guard. Like him coming off the bench uh, would be great. I don't like... If I'm Detroit, though, I don't know what I want with Kuzma. Like I I think they got uh, Doomba... Doom... I'm just going to call him Doom. Seku Doom. Uh, they got Chris Wood. Uh, they still have Markeith Morris on their team, right? Uh, Andre Drummond. It sounds like the trade's going to happen somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be the Knicks or the Hawks or something like that, right? But And it looks like teams are dropping out of the Drummond sweepstakes out of like, well, I don't know, coming to your senses. Yeah, or or yeah. maybe that was originally floated out by Detroit. Right, yeah. I, I think uh, the rental aspect of, of Drummond is interesting. I yeah. don't think... Like, say, for the Hawks, thinking about, like, oh, yeah, we're going to pay this guy a lot of money to take up space for John Collins. That's tough. But I don't know. If I'm Detroit, I would, I don't know if Kuzma is a guy that I want to be one of my foundational pieces. But I also think of, like, teams like, say, the Grizzlies or something, right? Like, 
I don't know if it's Jay Crowder or if it's um, who's that guy that just gets paid a lot of money to go golf right now and he's not playing for them. Oh man, I feel really bad because I almost said Chandler Parsons, <laughs> oh, and then I remembered. Hey, shout out to him. Shout out. Uh, we hope you're healthy, of Chandler course, Parsons. Absolutely. I got in a serious car accident, um, but unfortunately, you came to my mind when you mentioned a player who essentially did nothing. <laughs> but that is a good dollar right now. But yeah, like, yes. I, I think uh, that would be more interesting, like from the Grizzlies' perspective, to to have a guy like Kuzma. Um, but that's also you're thinking like, hey, we have. Triple J, we have this steal of the draft like Brandon Clark as well, yeah. right? Um, where does Kuzma fit in the league is really interesting. And he's one of those classic guys. I bring this up to you a lot, but like, what does he do well? Before, and this is related um, in the sense of like what LA products are after they leave LA, what were your thoughts? And if you can separate it, what were your thoughts of Cal, uh, not Cal Kuzma, Lonzo Ball before he moved? to the Pelicans versus yeah. now. It's so funny thinking back about that now too, hey? Like, yeah. Retrospect's always twenty twenty, but I do remember vividly feeling that the Lakers did a really good job hanging on to Kuzma and trading those other two. B.I. was always going to be the piece, right? Like, yeah. he was always going to be that piece. The biggest get. And he's turned out to be, I mean... The biggest get. Unbelievable. Like, dude's, dude might be an all-star this year. Um, he's been playing out of his mind. But Lonzo's also been playing insane the past two weeks. I think a lot of people were down on Lonzo because he was hurt a lot of the time last year. And he, again, let's go back to the beginning of the podcast, expectations, right? Came in in the number two. A lot of people thought he was going to be just as good as he was at UCLA, right? Getting up and down the floor, big guard, can play defense. And he's starting to show that a lot now, which is great because he's got that in them. Uh, in him, pardon me. But, uh, yeah, I remember when the trade happened and they kept Kuzma. And I was like, ah, damn, they did a really good job like yeah. keeping Kuzma. And it's funny now thinking about it where, I, I mean, I don't think they had the choice. Like, if I'm the if I'm David Griffin, I think he he got the right two in the yeah. trade. For, for the team he wants to build. Maybe just because I thought he was going to try and get all three of them. And yeah. Josh Hart kind of thing. But yeah, like know, poach dude. them for every single young guy. Yeah. So, yeah, it is funny thinking back, but uh, I think I've absolutely soured a bit on Kuz just because he he is in that perfect kind of, I don't say perfect because I'm saying this in a negative light. He's in that classic tweener spot, right? Where Three or a four. Ish, right? Maybe. And, and like the fours now are so much bigger nowadays and the threes are so much faster nowadays. And uh, it's really interesting to see where he's going to fit. Because he's a slow three right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, like, where does he fit on a finals team, you know? Yeah. Like, is he coming in for, like, 18, 22 minutes, and he's going to just let it fly from three? I mean, hey, in theory, where do you think he fits in on this team? Because if, depending on what you think he fits in on this team, that's where he fits in on a finals team. Yeah, okay, so, I mean, they're obviously not going to get Derrick Rose without him. Right, yeah, like that would be the trade ship. But update on that: uh, Derrick Rose makes seven and a half million. Cal Kuzma makes three and a half, and then five next year. Okay, so it's pretty close. I also love. I think it's uh, is it Windhorse or is it maybe it's Simmons that's been saying this, uh, like abolishing those like percentages. Oh, you have to be within twenty five percent, something yeah. like that, right? Like even just make it fifty or seventy five, just because the the variance in contracts across the association are just so insane. It really sucks that the middle class got so screwed. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's mi- like you're a max contract guy or you're like under $10 million. Like yeah. There's no in between. Yeah, which is weird. Like it was really genuinely projected when it first jumped up. Like, oh, yeah, $15 million is a great average starter. 
And it's just like, no, that's not, no, that's not, not happening. Anymore. Not anymore. No. Um, but yeah, sorry, to answer your question as far as Kuz, like where does he fit in the team? Say, say the Lakers stay put. Yeah. Or if they, or if they um, get some buyout guys or something like that, whoever that may be, right? I think there is a spot for Kuz to come on in that second unit and, again, play 20, so, 20 or so minutes, be a scoring threat, like, say, with Caruso and play with Dwight Howard, you know? Like, they do have a pretty good group coming off the bench, you know, and if he could be that scorer, kind of be that go-to guy, I mean, Vogel does a pretty good job already of keeping AD and LeBron kind of in tandem. Like, they play a lot of minutes, but a lot of, like, there's very few minutes in their games that they're, neither of them are on the floor. Yeah. But that's when Kuzma has to put in, like, six minutes of, like, hey, I'm the go-to scorer. Like, I think he can be that, you know, and he showed, he had an incredible stretch last year. I think it was when Lonzo was out and Brandon Ingram was basically playing point guard and it was like him and Kuzma just going crazy. Like that it's in him, you know? And it's just uh he's a young guy, it's about consistency and uh there's a spot for him, but it, it's But screw all this, man. <laughs> I want to see Derrick Rose and LeBron James on the same team. Can you okay? <laughs> wind this back to like 2011 and I told you that Oh, the Lake Show sad. would be putting out Derrick Rose, Dwight Howard, and LeBron James on the same team. I, w- I would slap him in the face <laughs> and tell, tell you to wake up, dude. That's so ridiculous to think about. It is, hey? Like, and even Danny Green in 2011, 2012 would be like, really? Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's so funny how uh, how things change. But I love that. I love that so much. Uh, God bless you, uh, Chris Haynes. I hope this comes true in some uh, some form or fashion. I, I just don't know what Detroit wants with Kuz, but I also don't know what Detroit wants at all. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any uh, wants in this situation? Like, would you like to see Kuz in a specific spot? I mean, um, in 2020, Kuzma's averaging 17 and 5 right now, 17, 5 and 2, um, 32% from three, which he's revered as a shooter, but 32% from three is like not a shooter percentage it's also that really tough spot where it's it's high enough where you think you should keep shooting but yeah. it's also low enough where it's not incredibly efficient anymore too yes. right so it's that it's that danger zone a little bit with the three and i'll give him that that that's only nine games this year like small sample size with what four or five of them without ad so he's been shooting a lot more and lebron out with the flu right the yeah poops. so like there, there's a lot of variables here but uh, career-wise he's 33.7 like you're not it, it's not too Far from the mean, right? No, and I think you put a gun to a lot of people's heads and you said, what's Kuzma's best skill? And you'd probably say shooting, right? Yeah, shooting, maybe three-point. Or Or scoring, 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 I guess, would be the thing. Um, What does he do well? Like, uh, he's technically a power forward. He's 6'8". I guess he favors small ball basketball. Right. Um, Is he a particularly solid rebounder? No. Uh, I kind of need some of that at my four. Yeah. Is he particularly fast? Can he attack from the wing? He could score. Uh, I feel as if he positions himself for a lot of scoring. Um, but does that fit in with what the the Pistons have or want? Um, could he? If I I want to get rid of Andre Drummond more than I'm worried about what I receive if I were the Pistons. Is that mean to say? Probably a little bit. I'm a naturally mean person, uh, so I'll, I'll I'll go ahead with that. Uh, do I want Blake Griffin to run my offense? Yes. Is that not particularly fitting with the pieces around him? 
I believe you mentioned Reggie Jackson last week, and I stopped you in your tracks. <laughs> Reggie and Bynum here on Gamer Runs. <laughs> this, this, is a, this is an all-time uh, podcast for us. Um, but that's that's the level of like things Blake Griffin has to deal with. If Blake Griffin were on the Raptors, <laughs> so sad. If Blake, yeah, if Blake Griffin had replacement level talent around him i feel like the pistons would be pushing for the eight or seven seed like very comfortably and almost certainly make one a healthy blake was all nba last season exactly and um unfortunately that's not the case and his teammates and the way the organization is run right now isn't the best situation so what can you do if you're the pistons uh i'm at the point where i say blow it up Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah, of where yeah. if you can even move Blake Griffin to contender or, I don't know, if someone pulled a super leverage move and was able to get Kevin Love and Blake Griffin at the same time or something and makes something out of nothing, um, play them as a four and a five, I don't know. Um, I, I think you need to move everyone on that roster. I thought a healthy Blake in Portland would have been extremely cool. That were, that's cooler than healthy love in Portland. Yeah, people float the love thing a lot because he's, he's he grew up in Portland or, or in Oregon and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, put Blake there. Put it like a a solid playmaker with Nurk down low and like Blake can play the the corners kind of thing. And, uh, and the high he has started bit, he like, has started stretching the space too. 100 percent, man. He can he can knock down those. That's why I mean he was all NBA last year. Like he was shooting like five eight threes a game. It's yeah. insane. As as we wind down the podcast here, uh, which we will be continuing. on on our Apple edition, Apple Podcasts edition, uh, in the studio. Uh, I just want to give a quick apology to any Piston fans uh, listening. Cause <laughs> I know, I know. I, they probably like, yes, <laughs> yes, blow it up. All, all two of you, uh, and I know who you are, all two of you, <laughs> big shouts and big love. I mean this from a place of love. Motor City, baby. Yeah. Hey, at least you got a great coach. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> Hey, we love Dwayne. Caterpillar Casey. coach. We love Casey. Shout here. out to Dwayne. Yeah. Shout out to Dwayne. Yeah, I think he's like four and one against the Raptors now as the as the Pistons. That's the only record that counts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. For him, without a doubt. All right, yes, that will do it for us here on the live edition, live half of our show here on Game of Runs 101.5 UMFM. If you're listening us to uh, on oh, sorry, if you're listening to us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Just keep listening because uh, we're going to continue talking more uh, Reggie Jackson. Maybe a little Andrew Bynum. Maybe none of that at all. (laughs) They all shut it off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, Well, uh, tune in next time here uh, on 101.5 UMFM. Love y'all. Peace. Kristen Ledlow. Let low, get low, get low. You think Jalen Rose ever said that to her? Let low. I <laughs> know, <laughs> just just to Zach. <laughs> that is a nice finish. That's a high high backboard finish. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeet. You're tuned into uh, Lakers Celtics on Game of Runs on Javale McGee on MLK Day. <laughs> Shout outs to you. Thank you for tuning in. That's true. We are here in the studio for uh, the back half of uh, this week's Game of Runs episode. And you better believe we're watching little Lakers Celtics here uh, in the studio live. LeBron James with a beautiful reverse layup. Uh, We're not going to actually call the game. We might 
dive in a little bit here and there. Uh, we were just marveling at uh, the beauty that is uh, Kristen Ledlow. D- don't see her very often, but you know what? I, I haven't watched a lot of TNT games this year. Yeah, she does the the major TNT games, and I I love Kristen Ledlow, and I feel like um, her roles, as she moved up in the ranks, were, were given to Roz Gold and Wude. True. And then um, Kristen Ledlow ended up taking a couple positions from Doris, but Doris is in more prominent positions, a.k.a. she's calling the games now. Right. Which, one, well-deserved. Doris should be calling games. Uh, Two, Kristen Ledlow, uh, what's the show they brought back and she was hosting with Grant Hill? Uh, yeah, Game Time, uh, Game, oh my goodness. Iconic basketball show. Yeah. Mm. It might be Game Time. We were just young enough to not watch that, though. And then we were just old enough to not watch the reboot. A hundred percent, yeah. So. <sighs> that was a weird show. I wonder what Grant Hill's up to nowadays. He's probably doing cool stuff. He, he seems like a cool Grant, guy. Grant Hill's in that realm of, like, Rick Fox. I'm like, these guys are always doing cool things. Something I do want to talk about this uh, this back half of the episode. It was kind of like like we were talking about uh, previously with uh, that Hoop Collective podcast. They kind of got to it with uh, Adam Silver's potential fail with uh, the new schedule scheme that he's trying to to bring into the league in twenty one twenty two, the seventy fifth anniversary of the NBA. Um, the way Windhorse kind of put it is that uh, Adam kind of waved the white flag on Friday, thinking that this may not be on the table anymore come uh, the governor's uh, meeting in April to uh, not only reduce the number of games in the season to, say, 75 or 76, but that also not uh, not including the, the play-in tournament uh, for uh, the, the 10, 9, 8, 7, 6 seeds or whatever that may be, and also... The halfway through the the midseason tournament, so to speak. What actually really caught my attention wasn't actually the the news that this wasn't going to happen. Is their conversation afterwards about how the NBA's analytics or all of the the data management or I guess the serve I don't even know how they're getting this information, but I'm sure they they have smart people doing smart things to figure out that the interest of in the NBA is at an all time high. However, the ratings for TV continue to drop year after year. And it's not just because of streaming. It's because people aren't watching their local teams. People just aren't tuning into these random games on Tuesday nights between whether the the Magic and the Hornets or whoever it may be. It's always funny that the Hornets are included in those garbage (laughs) games. But this really made me think about me and you, who are massive NBA fans, but... Get, week after week, we come to the studio being like, hey, like, what games have you watched this week? And a lot of the time, it's not very many. No, it's maybe, it's somewhere between two and five. And if it's five, it was a good week. Oh, yeah. It I was mean, a really good week. I would say mine's even less. I would say mine's between maybe one and three, and almost uh, at least two of them would be Raptor games. Okay. Uh, I definitely watch the this the league through the Raptors lens a lot more nowadays. Um, I'm not sure if it's it's not just a championship thing because this has been a past few years thing. 2020, uh, 2019 NBA champions. Yeah, without uh, a doubt, Toronto Raptors. Just world in case you, champions. Just in case you forgot, they are the world champions. Yeah, uh, reigning world champions. 
But uh, that really spoke to me because it is really interesting that we love the NBA so much. The fact that we come in here week after week, an hour, to talking to these microphones, to these two Detroit Piston fans about the NBA. And uh, we continue to do it, and we love it. And we're always on top of all the news, whether it's on NBA Reddit or following on the Instagram accounts, whatever it may be. There's so many different ways to follow the NBA now. And I get why the NBA thinks fandom has never been higher because all these social media analytics, I mean, they're hitting, they're hitting home on all these different channels. People love this game. People really talk about this game. And these players are not only celebrities through the league, but they're celebrities throughout North America and the world. And Except China. <laughs> except China. Well, they won't say that, but I'm sure they do like that. Um but it is true. I think you can. We're at this age now where you can be a massive NBA fan, and you don't have to watch forty-eight minutes of any game. That's true. Yeah. Um, I when we started the show five years ago, I was probably watching close to a game a day, like maybe five games a week at least. I was. I was. Yeah. I was definitely watching a almost a game a night. Like that would be like how I would go to bed is like that nine thirty tip off West Coast, whatever that may be. Right. Like absolutely. Now that's one uh, much bigger ask when you have more on your plate as an adult, right? Like it's just naturally we don't wah, have, wah. we don't have time. Um, and then two, uh, it's two and a half hours for any single thing in life right now is a big ask. Very true. So. Two and a half hours of a game, or I could watch a 10-minute condensed version the next day, and I could get live real-time updates um, if I wanted to keep up with the game and do something else. Or I could have a game on in the background while I'm at a bar or having drinks with some people, right? Like, um, it Games are more social than uh, con- uh, personally consumable now, and obviously you're not going out and having a drink every night and watching the game, right? Um, it Just the the viewing habits for the, the this uh, current slew of generations growing up and living right now is drastically different. It's, sh- it's shorter attention spans. It's shorter time frames for committing to two and a half hours. One thing you can do, shorten the product. Um, eliminate so much of the garbage, the necessary TV timeouts. M- maybe adhere to the FIBA rules, 40-minute games. I don't know. Um Maybe make the uh, the regular season more important, Adam Silver. I don't know. Maybe you were kind of onto something. Uh, hey, he's trying. This is yes. not his fault. This it's is not. the owners thinking about their gate money for sure. Yes, and Adam Silver, as you said, waving the white flag because he's not going to boy be able to get two thirds of the vote here. Twenty owners, twenty billionaires, self made. A lot of them, right? And that uh, that's another good point that Arnovitz made. Is just that these owners are completely different than the Stern era where it was yeah. a lot of mom and pop shops kind of thing. Now there's a lot of these, these tech guys kind of thing that'll be like, you're trying to take away all this money from me. Nah. Yeah. I have a, I have a hundred million or billions dollar investment here and I won't be able to turn around. The NBA will make you money. Like owning an NBA team will make you money. Won't It won't turn a profit for you for a couple of years, right? Like, You'll be you'll be profiting annually, but to make back uh, Steve Ballmer's two billion dollars, it's gonna take some time, dude. Oh right? yeah, it's it's that or you're selling, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you're taking tens of millions of gate revenue in an LA home game, if you if you eliminate ten games, that's what anywhere from 
uh, ten million to twenty five million. It's a lot for sure. Yeah, yeah. right. Like I, I'm not gonna act like I know, but they make a lot of money in those games, and uh, there's a lot of jobs and employment on the line there. Very true. So um, a lot of variables go into that, and that that's the real bummer that like. You can't figure something out to benefit everybody. Someone's going to have to be on the rough end of this stick, right? But where where is it? What is it? Yeah, and that's what I love about Silver trying to at least figure out that solution, at least talking out loud and putting these ideas out in the open for people to people like us to talk about, right? Uh, you can project in Adam Silver's like legacies that exploring ideas that were in the conscious of committed NBA fans at the time is going to be one of his greatest assets. Yes, without a doubt. Because that this is the kind of guy he is, right? He he is progressive in a time that needs a progressive leader. So yeah. that that is a really good thing. But I, 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 I can't help but compare it to football right now because not only is uh, the most important football games of the season being played in the last couple of weeks and the Super Bowl being in a couple of weeks as well, but my viewing habits of football I, I make it a thing where it's like I yeah I like I like playing fantasy football as well and I I like watching the games just as much as I like watching NBA games I, I do like watching a basketball game more I just I like the sport better but the fact that I know that I can sit down for a Sunday afternoon and I know it's going to be a Sunday afternoon or whether it's a Thursday nighter or a Monday nighter, right? Like, I know that these are the three nights or these are the three days that these NFL games are going to happen. And there's only 17 weeks of these things, and every single one of these games matter. That is such a big deal because the storylines are swinging constantly. But in the NBA, it's such a long, drawn-out process that I never feel like I'm missing out because I can kind of just keep up with the Raptors' standings and... A game on Monday night is no different than a game on Tuesday night two weeks from then, right? Like, it's yeah. it's almost all the same, and it's almost so... The season is almost so monotonous, and it's been a talking point lately, especially the last couple of years, but people are saying the difference between playoff basketball and regular season basketball are so different now that I even feel comfortable of just... If someone told me I wasn't allowed to watch the NBA regular season, but I could watch the playoffs, I'd be like... That's too bad, but okay. Yeah. You know, like, I, uh, it's because I can keep up with the NBA through Instagram, through YouTube, through through Reddit. I, I can keep up with everything that happened that night from the palm of my hand. And they made another good example. This was a fairly good podcast because we've talked about it a lot. But um, I always love when Arnovitz is on because he, he just, he's just a different thinker in the NBA. But he was saying that, like, you don't have to watch a two-and-a-half-hour Memphis Grizzlies game anymore you can see the like three to ten highlights that John Morant put out that night on Instagram like minutes after the game happened or even seconds after the play happened because the NBA just puts it out there right so it's just a drastically different viewing experience and I cannot help but think that if they reduced we talked about this a little bit uh back earlier in the season about what like our ideal number of games would be like what would that perfect schedule be i love the idea that every team plays a home and home basically with the other team 58 games baby exactly like that would be that would be so fun because then i know i'm going to tune into that laker raptor game 
Yeah, I I know I'm gonna tune into that because I'm, I'm gonna only work gonna see my week around this. A hundred percent, right? And then whether it's um, or it's the Bucks and the Raptors, like you're not gonna see them very often. So let's see how Pascal and Giannis match up, right? Who's gonna guard them and stuff like that? I know it's gonna hurt the gate money. I know it's gonna hurt jobs, but like. I feel like it has to get down to something like that to make these games matter more because people just aren't watching them. And just how technology has changed so much. Uh, one of my favorite, this is a little bit of a side tangent, but maybe not because it, it's kind of related. One of my favorite features of um, the Apple TV is I could be or or my girlfriend could be watching a show on Netflix or Crave or whatever it may be. It could be watching a, a streaming show. And because I'm locked into Sportsnet and TSN, a little notification will come up and say like, Kyle Lowry is like approaching his career high or like three minutes left in, in the Nets uh, Raptors game. Like tune in now and it's one button away. I think that's kind of the future where maybe you're not plugging down and sitting down for two and a half hours kind of thing, even though that's how people do it for binging shows and stuff like that. But it's tuning into the most important moments because that's really what matters. The the going through the slog of the like the beginning of the second quarter when, when OG Ananobi is the, the scorer on the court for the Raptors or something. Eh, it could be tough sometimes, right? It's just so interesting to think about all these different uh, key, uh, what am I? Key stakes, uh, key holders, stakeholders, stakeholders, stakeholders. Thank you, key stakeholders. You really, you worked your way there. I, I got there. Uh, how they all want something different, right? The viewers want something different. The league wants something different. The owners want something different. It's a really fun, interesting mix, and we're kind of at that pivot point right now because. They care about the ratings. They care about getting that next big uh, TV deal, whatever it's going to be. Like, it could go to Google and YouTube or something like that. It could, like, imagine if it went to, like, Instagram or something. Like, I don't know what that looks like, but the the landscape of how people watch games has changed so, so much. And it's uh, it's it's affecting the bottom dollar when it comes to it. It feels like the Warriors really actually prolonged the TV era, if you will. Because the NBA's main moneymaker is still that TV deal, right? Like, TV rights make up what we see as the salary cap. It's a 50-50 split or close to. So how do you monetize the interest in the league moving into a new generation that doesn't care about how you make your money? Like, how you make your money is TV. They don't care about TV. We're... The generation underneath us, and I would say our current generation, people a little bit ahead of us, we're streamers, right? Uh, we will find ways to watch things. Um, that is one, uh, possibly cannot be monetized by you. Two is being monetized by other people. Three, how do you get the interest of us going through those John Morant highlights on Instagram and YouTube monetized outside of its basic 0.01 cent ad right that you're going to show me that I'm going to skip and then yeah <laughs> and then on Instagram it's a it's a fundamentally different stream because Instagram's not paying you a lot right Instagram has its own revenue and its own ads so w- what's the next level like are we going to have like uh you got to you got to pay a deposit every time you mention you type out John Morant's name or like what what is the next level that's the biggest issue, the biggest question for the league moving forward. 
Yeah, and I I don't know what that is. It is fun to think about and and interesting to think about. I know uh, they were talking about before how to they were going to try and test. I don't know if they've done this because I haven't been a League Pass subscriber in such a long time. There's just other ways to watch games now. Wink, wink. However, the fact that like they were talking about putting out say tune into this game like there's like it's it's basically like a free link from like the nba instagram or twitter like watch the end of this game like similar to what like my apple tv does as far as like a notification that would be so good for people to actually watch watch the game see multiple possessions at a time yeah see how they unfold right just to like tune in now see the end of this game or like Kyrie's cooking right now you know like like tune in now kind of thing because there's not many people, unless you're a diehard fan of a certain team, that is like, I'm going to sit down tonight, I'm going to have my dinner, and then afterwards I'm going to the couch. And I'm going to watch watch a Hornets Pistons. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the Charlotte fans, yeah. But uh, there's not many people that do that anymore, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a dying breed. I mean, I think Thursdays or the closest thing the NBA has to what I hope the future of the schedule looks like, where how many teams play on Thursdays at most? Uh, usually six. It's usually two nationally televised games and then one... NBA up- TV game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I love that. Because I yeah. know I can I can tune it, like, inside the NBA is, like, an hour and a half or, or an hour and a half, whatever, before. I could sit down, watch them. I mean, it, that's... Obviously, one of the best shows ever. It's your NBA roundtable. Yeah, it's it's great, and you get to watch two or uh, sorry, two marquee games, right? And it's just an experience that like I can I can set aside a Thursday night, but because all of these nights are happening one after another after another, that I just have like almost this defeatist attitude where I'm like, I just I'm not gonna watch any of them anymore right like maybe i am free on a tuesday night and i have some time or whatever and i I tune into the raptor game or something like that right but i wish there was more of those thursday nights and what i'm really excited for um i believe this starts after the all-star break is those sunday matinees right like after the football season ends where abc has those sunday showcases at like 3 3 p.m or 1 30 whatever it is east west coast kind of thing but more marquee matchups yeah like that's what i really love and i mean they're trying these things like players only and stuff like that whatever but canceled garbage Mm -hmm. so garbage right like give me more of these thursday marquee matchups the best of the best playing and in a perfect world those are happening night after night after night they're just not right now no and i think like the scheduling thing that's going to take years to eventually come to, right? It's not going to, as you've seen with how much difficulty Adam Silver has making any real changes uh, that would truly shake up the league, like on a 2K level sort of sort of way. It would be like ABA, NBA merger. Like it would be like one of those points in the league where it's like, okay, it's fundamentally different. Yeah, and uh, this changes the record books, right? And everyone is very protective of the record books. Why, 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 why? That's, it's just old people, man. <laughs> I don't want to be jaded. <laughs> like, Come on. I don't want to be jaded. It's just old people who can't let go of the past. Uh, you should respect the past. 
not be scared of the past. People already say, don't compare generations. The game is so different now. Then then change it even more. Yeah, right? straight like, up. The three-point line is one of those uh, marks in the NBA, too, where it just it completely changed the league. It, it took a little while, mm-hmm. right, for it to dramatically change to where we're at now. But the, people are too afraid of change. And I know it always comes down to money. I hate it. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it so long during the China thing, right? Like, it always comes down to money. And this is the exact same situation. It always comes down to money. In your mind, um, I mean, you could go to the play-ins. You could go to the mid-season tournament. You could go to the reduced schedule. What's like? What's at the top of your wish list for Adam Silver? Like, if he had a priority number one to try and change and bring to the owners, uh, what's your, what's that number one for you? Schedule would be so huge. This, this making it f- fifty-eight games or sixty-five-ish. 64 if you want to add an extra game for your uh, division or something. Yeah. Like you'll play everyone home and home and then you'll get one extra game against the the teams in your division. That would make so much sense. It'd be uh, it'd, it'd blah, 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 travel, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I think it'd fix a lot of issues. Uh, the next up on the line, we spoke about a bit before. Oh, nice pass, Marcus Smart. Uh, widening of the court. And then the other would be... Um, Adjustments to FIBA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, maybe not even making it 12-minute quarters to 10-minute um, quarters and making a 40, a 48-minute game a 40-minute game. Like, People I'm not, like it in the Olympics. I, I really do like it. Um, it also put less mileage on the players. Players would be fresher at the end of games. We're also super used to it in Canada, obviously. Yes. I am more concerned with the product of the game, especially near the end of it. Um, it was incredibly jarring to have non-basketball, non-committed basketball fans come to me and complain about the NBA Finals and how jarring it is to have the last three minutes on the clock last 25 to 30 minutes. Of real time. Longest longest two minutes in sports, they say. Yeah, and that's, that's the unfortunate part where we... How do we have all this technology? And is it ego slowing it down? What is slowing down the referees from each review? How are we not using VAR to get every call correct? How are we painstakingly going through all these angles and not having like a head person make these calls? And then, okay, that's the word. We're going with it, right? Like, how have you not streamlined all of this? How have you not taken TV timeouts out? I guess because it comes down to money, and the ad money is where it's at. Um, that that's the biggest issue. How can you monetize things? Uh, they're getting they're getting uh, ads on the jerseys, right? What what else can you do? How how much more can you extract from it? Um, can a different clothing company other than Nike do your shooting sleeves and compression sleeves, and you, you get some more ad rights for that? I don't know. But that's that's the next level. Um, so my top three, to recap, scheduling, widening of the court, adjustments to FIBA, and fixing the late game. That's technically four, but whatever. The widening of the court would be super interesting. It's so fun. Think about handball and how much doper it is where you could tack from all angles. Like, it just, it changes offense. It changes defense. Oh, it, it, it changes, changes everything. Yeah, and... I can't help but make the comparison between the NFL and the CFL, where yeah. the CFL field is extremely big compared to the NFL field. You wouldn't think so, but 
the NFL the NFL has much bigger, faster, stronger players. Naturally, they're the best in the world. Yeah, but they play on this short, skinny field. You go to the CFL. It was actually hilarious. I, I was fortunate enough to go to uh, the Raiders and Packers game that came here, which was hilariously played on an even shorter field than normal. Was Antonio Brown on the Raiders? I yeah, yeah. Oh, shout out to AB. Came to livestock, cops some stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, we nice, mentioned nice. that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's almost comically small compared to the CFL field, and I would have loved to be like, hey, let's get some of the best athletes in the world playing on this big CFL field. Like, how much fun. Like, there's more room to run, more room to pass, and I think that's the that's the charm of the CFL compared to the NFL is that, yeah, they're not the best players in the world, but the sport, if you can think the about it as... Funner, yeah. yeah, if you can think about it as a different... It's the same sport, different game. I think it's so much more enjoyable because, yeah, it's there's more passing. There's more room to run side to side. The end zones are massive, so you can make bigger plays. The NBA, I mean, that would be awesome. Like, if you widened it so the arc completely finished, I think that would be just enough room to really kind of imagine how wide the key would be. Yeah. You know, like, for forget, I mean, people are obviously going to be shooting threes, but the corner three wouldn't be as efficient. People would be attacking. There would be there would be less people in the paint. There'd be more dunks. That could be really exciting. It, that that would be an extreme version of three and dunks. And it would it would almost like create a, an offensive renaissance. Nice ball movement by the Celtics on the second chance there. It would almost create an offensive renaissance because you would see things we haven't seen either ever or in decades. Right, like the emphasis of more three and D, uh, as you as you alluded to, but like. The amount of slashing and and the importance, the the emphasis, the extra cost on length, and how important that'll be. Zone defense might even become the norm at that point, right? Like yeah, the like, game could change. Yeah, and uh, that that's the biggest thing, right? Like everyone's playbooks get rewritten. That would be so cool. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. That would I I don't know if that would ever be a priority of the league. It, that would be one of those things. Like, I wonder what the discussions were with the three point line. Like, Someone else needs to do it. Yeah, like like Big three baby fireball. Why not? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, just make it a uh, the wide five. Uh, there we go. <laughs> the there wide we five. Go. <laughs> but it would be so ill to actually see that. But it needs to be another league, like similar how like there's NFL, CFL, and then off in Candyland, the XFL. Right. Hey, G League man. They're they're trying new things. They're Absolutely, tr- they're trying the one free throw and stuff like that. And you know what? The WNBA is implementing a midseason tournament. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, the commissioner's cup. So uh, very excited to watch. I'm gonna try and follow the WNBA in the in the summer. Or this you year. can on 2K now as well. Yes, actually, that's one of the dopest things that 2K has done in possibly a decade. Big time. Absolutely. Uh, I think 2011 was the first year that 2K was like. No, no, because that was when they introduced uh, LeBron's storyline stuff. And then 2012, 2013, you could play as MJ throughout his career. Uh, and then it became the same video game for six years in a row. Yeah, they got segment for a while. Yeah, uh, but implementing WNBA teams is a huge ad. And especially when there are freak athlete players, Cappy Pondexter, Lena Deladon, and all them. Like, There's like some high-level talent there that should be should be highlighted. Oh, of course, yeah. And then the big news, too, uh, I don't know how we switched to women's basketball, but here we are. Look at us. <laughs> Look here at we us. are. But uh, the, the average salaries are going to be six digits coming up this season uh, for the About first time, time for the first time ever. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it's, it's sad 
thinking about the comparisons between the men's and the women's league. Uh, it is it, it is what it is uh, where we are in our world as far as what people want to watch in entertainment-wise. But I hope this can help uh, the women maybe stay home a little bit more because a lot of the best players, they play, yeah, they play in the WNBA during the summer, but throughout the winter, they're going over to Eastern Europe and to Russia where they're making millions of dollars because... There's more money out there. There's just way more money out there, yeah. And uh, and to to capstone that, um, society pays for entertainment that interests them, and that's where the money is, right? Like uh, that, that. I basically said nothing there, but but <laughs> but money talks is what I'm trying to say. And our society, and by that I mean North America does not put an emphasis on women's basketball. Is that your fault? Is that my fault? Is that anyone's fault? Not necessarily. No. But there are people who complain about women earning 150000 base salary in the WNBA because the difference in income for the league, uh, the, the WNBA traditionally does not make as much money as the NBA. Surprise. I don't know if you knew that. The NBA has super millionaires. Uh, as we spoke about earlier in this episode uh, during our live show, uh, you have a lower class and a super dumb max tier upper class in the NBA. Um, but the fact that it's taken this long to get six digits is a little, I guess it's better late than never. True. And, of course. But on the other end, like they are going overseas to make more money. But overseas puts a greater emphasis on women's basketball. It, club basketball means more there. And it, it, imagine like uh, Barcelona games, for example. Like there are legit soccer atmospheres at those games. And they are drawing like very good crowds in smaller, more intimate venues. And they also don't have salary cap working the same way. They have it working like clubs. Oh, nice slam. Uh, sorry. They're working like clubs, and they don't have a salary cap to work with. So it's up to the owners to spend that money. So is that a situation which which works better for equality? And should the women ultimately get the money how they want? Absolutely, 100%. You should do what what is best for your lifestyle. And that would be going overseas and making millions of dollars. Shouts to Anna Tarasi. Um, yeah, she really kind of spearheaded that. Yeah, she was she was the goat, and she went overseas, um, or the goat at the time, and went overseas. Or the goat. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. There's Cheryl Mur- Miller. People stands. still ride for yeah, Cheryl yeah, Miller, yeah, so yeah. I got to watch what I was saying. I don't know. Tar- Tarasi is she's she's my Michael Jordan guy, or sorry, she's, she's my LeBron James kind she, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she came up at the same time as Kobe, though, so I, right. I I'd liken her to women's Kobe. Um, but she deserves her own name, Adana Tarasi. Um, but yeah, it. It's better late than never, and it's a step in the right direction, but uh, it's up to us as a society to show interest in the league. And if you truly care about equality and you truly care about good basketball, because there are fundamentally different tactics in the WNBA, I think we should all challenge ourselves to try and watch more WNBA. I also think it's part responsibility for the NBA players to also do that. Like to to, yeah. kind of, to speak about their their colleagues, right? Yeah. And something that will always always stick with me that we had the absolute pleasure of a lifetime uh, to be in a scrum with Kevin Garnett. 
Yeah. When uh, when the wolves and the bulls came here, all time. Oh my goodness! Yeah. What, like what was it? Like five six years ago now? It's kind of crazy how time flies. But uh, somebody asked him about, uh, hey, like, what do you think about the like the Minnesota Lynx like going back to the finals? Yeah, like, and he was just jacked up about yes. the Lynx going back to the finals. He was so excited, and I was like, wow, like, this this was this. He's not just putting on like a KG show. Like, it actually sounded like he genuinely cared. He's like, yeah, man, like I ride for the Lynx. Like, he's just yeah. so pumped. And I wish there was more of that. I don't know when and where that would come up, kind of thing. Um, and then. Like, yeah, like, where does that fit within the NBA kind of thing and when these players can speak up for their call, their women colleagues and stuff? But uh, I loved that moment so much, and I wish there was more of it. Maybe there is behind closed doors, just as that was. But, you know what yeah, I think? That will always stick with me. You know what? The, I, that was, yeah, that's an all time life moment for me. Uh, but you know what I think the next level would be? Every NBA team, almost every NBA team or every NBA team has a G League team now. And a WNBA team. I love that. Yes. Yeah. That's the next That's the next thing. And though there are not ne- nearly as many WNBA teams right now, start merging. I mean, Chicago has a team. New York has a team. LA has a team, right? Like, start putting these together. And uh, does that take huge logistical movement? Yeah. 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 100%. <laughs> I'm not saying this is easy. We're also trying to put a football field in the in the arena. So, yeah. we're we're talking here. Yeah, so um, th- that would take huge logistical movement because they are different organizations. You know what would be really cool? You know how they they play in the summer? You like, got esports teams. How do you not have a women's <laughs> team? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they all have a 2K team. You're right. Like That's so crazy. <laughs> I think what would be really cool is, yes, that like that perfect scenario of every organization has three teams or four if you include their 2K <laughs> team. Yeah. But... You include that, and then you add on, the, like, the the women don't play in the summer. They have a normal schedule as far as the NBA goes, right? Like, hey, let's let's get it back down to 58, right? So we have, we have three teams basically playing 58 games throughout the year. Imagine that Thursday night where you have a marquee men's game, a marquee women's game, maybe not a marquee G League team. Maybe they could be the first game. They could be at, like, 4 p.m. Right, oh, that and would then be the women's so game is like at seven or something, and the men's game is at nine or whatever that may be. Right? How cool would that be? Like a perfect world for sure. But uh, I mean, we can only dream and try and push forward to that. But that would be very, very cool. Because I mean, when you do watch women's basketball, I, I, I'm going to compare it again to the difference between CFL and the NFL. Same sport, it's a different game, right? It, it's yeah. pl- it's played under the rim, right? It's yep. definitely played more methodically and slower. But when you watch some of these women play, like Della Dawn is just like a, a wizard yeah, with the as, ball. She's I, incredible. Admittedly, as someone who doesn't like and who's challenging himself this year in 2020 to watch more WNBA, I don't know much about women's basketball and like the superstars and everything. Not many do. No. Uh, I do. I know probably a little bit more than like the person who doesn't follow basketball at all. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Alina Deladon has multi multi time MVP, um, absolute freak athlete, six seven, six eight, um, former Chicago Sky. Not sure who she plays for now. Um, has been like one of the basically a women's Anthony Davis is the best way I could put it. I like it. Yeah. It, but yeah, sorry, I just had to like. How do you how do you relate this to the product that people know? It's tough. It's very yeah. tough. And you know they 
they're probably talking about that. I mean, they. I hope they're talking about that in the league offices. Something actually that came to my attention, which I didn't realize uh, until uh, Stern's passing, was that they've been operating the WNBA at a deficit yep. basically since its inception. Yeah. Which I mean, I. I give huge kudos to the NBA for doing that because it is really important regardless for a team, for an organization in in a capitalist environment where you're constantly looking to make money and to grow. They think that's more important than losing money. So big kudos to the NBA and specifically for Stern, regardless of some of the the backdoor deals he might have made to, to make that happen. He made it happen. And there's professional women's basketball in North America. Yeah. Big shouts, David Stern. Rest in peace. We're just watching a sick Caruso <laughs> highlight day <laughs> yeah. right now. So, <laughs> just <laughs> caught our attention. <laughs> we had to stop. <laughs> but that was a perfect way to uh, to wrap this one up. We're uh, we're slowly getting more absorbed into this uh, classic rivalry. Between yeah, you know what? Speaking of watching games, I'm definitely going to watch this when I get back home. Um, two teams that uh, I haven't seen a lot of this year. I've definitely seen the Lakers a lot more, but... Uh, Man, I I love watching these uh, the two young Jays play on uh, the Celtics. Like seeing their growth, I I think they're much older than they are. Yeah, you know they're like they twenty one years old. They play <laughs> with a super composure to them, yes. and uh, it feeds off into the rest of the Celtics roster. And that's spearheaded by the president himself, without a doubt. Okay, let's get out of here. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. This is actually a pretty fun episode. This is good. Um, lots lots to talk about, regardless of Reggie Jackson and Andrew Bynum mentions. <laughs> thought there was some pretty good basketball talk uh, here on a Monday night. Again, thank you for tuning in, whether it was live on 101.5 UMFM or on your podcast feed on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, share it with a friend. Uh, let your friends know because, uh, I mean, we need more Detroit fans in this world, right? That's true. <laughs> Shout out to the Pistons. All we right. more fans. Motown, baby. Uh, we'll be here next week for some more basketball action. Until then, enjoy your own MLK Day, baby. Peace out. <laughs>